Tonight is called the gifts of healings and working of miracles. And we find ourselves studying the first study of the signifying gifts. Four months ago, we began the Ignite series. Ignite is short for Inspired Gifts Night. On Wednesday nights for the, fa- for the past four months, we've been studying the supernatural gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. These, these gifts are given to believers for the building up of the church. And I divided this study into three sections. The first section we studied was called the speaking gifts. And we focused on those gifts in which we speak to one another, the truths given to us by God. The second section we studied, we finished studying actually last week, which are the serving gifts. These are those gifts that focus on serving one another in very practical ways. Tonight we begin the third section of this study called the signifying gifts. Now the signifying gifts, excuse me, these are those gifts that without question attest to the existence of a supernatural being. They signify the evidence of a creator God. You see, while all the other gifts that we've studied are supernatural, each gift is a supernatural gift, most of the gifts that we've studied so far appear to be based on natural abilities. For example, uh, we've talked about the gift of teaching. Now, there are many good teachers in the world who do not have the gift of teaching. They're studied and scholarly, and they've studied how to you know, present speeches, and they've, they know how to put together a three-point presentation, and they know all of the ins and outs of presenting a good teaching. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have the supernatural gift to teach. But yet when the world sees someone who has the supernatural gift to teach, does that automatically mean that they come to the conclusion that there's a a creator God? No, not at all. Because there's lots of people with the natural ability to teach. Therefore, when you see someone who's gifted to teach, people don't naturally just assume, well, they're, they're a good teacher because God gave them a gift to teach. However... The gifts that we're studying tonight and next week, that being gifts of healings, gifts of miracles, gifts of tongues, and gifts of interpretation, these are gifts that when you see them in action, there's really little question that there's a creator God at work behind the one that is doing the miracles or speaking in tongues. So these gifts that we're studying during the next two weeks, tonight and next week, clearly signify the existence of a creator God. So tonight, like I said, we're studying the gift of healings and the gift of working of miracles. Next week, we'll study the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. But tonight, we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll be studying the gift of healings and the gift of working of miracles in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4, and we'll study through to verse 10. Verse 4 begins, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. 
But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles. And so that's where we find those two gifts, the gifts of healings and the working of miracles. In order to more fully understand these two gifts, the gift of healings and working of miracles, we're going to look at these gifts three-dimensionally or using 3D words. First, we're going to define the gift. Then we're going to diagnose. We're going to ask some diagnostic questions to determine whether we have the gift or not. And the third D word we'll use to study these gifts is develop. At the end of the study, we'll look at both gifts and discover how we can develop these supernatural gifts. And so, before we get into the actual study, I want to show you another text. If you would look just down the page, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 27, where we see these gifts laid out in the order that God has given them to the church. It says in 1 Corinthians 12:27, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, which is opposite of what was just announced earlier on in the text. In the text that we read previously, 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gifts of healings first and then the gifts of miracles. But this seems to give us a laundry list by way of order to su- suggesting that miracles are first and then the gifts of healings. And so that's how we're going to study them tonight. We're going to look at miracles first and then the gift of healings. And so let's look at miracles, the gift of working miracles. So first, that first D word we're going to define, the gift of miracles. In his book, Living Water, Chuck Smith defines a miracle as something that is humanly impossible but divinely simple. It blows me away how many Christians can't believe in a six-day creation. Why not? I believe in an almighty God. He could have created it in six seconds. So six days, well, he took his time. You know, I I believe in an almighty God who, to us, things seem impossible, but to him, they seem very simple. A dictionary definition of miracle is, is an event that appears to be contrary to the laws of nature and is regarded as an act of God. You see, because God has set in motion the laws of nature, physical laws. So when we see something that goes contrary to those laws, well, it wasn't done naturally. Therefore, it must be supernatural. And therefore, it must be God, the creator of the physical laws. The Greek word that we find for the word miracle here in our text is dunamis. This is where we get our similar word, dynamite. Okay, so this word dynamite, you know, explosive power. Dunamis, that's what it means, explosive power. It means powerful, and in in the context that we're studying, it means power for performing miracles. So that's what we're talking about here. What is a miracle? It's the power that God gives us to perform something that's contrary to the natural laws. Let's talk about some biblical examples here. If you want to turn to Exodus chapter 14, 
Because in Exodus chapter 14, we are going to meet Moses tonight. And Moses was the man that God used to lead the Israelites out of the bondage there in Egypt. And as they were leaving Egypt and on the run, the armies of the Egyptians were behind them, closing in fast. And they got to the Red Sea, a sea that was seemingly impossible to cross, and they were kind of cornered there. And in Exodus 14:21, by the power of God, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Very, very cool. Moses also had the gift of miracles and used that to bring the plagues of Egypt. Uh, he brought uh, water out of, a, uh, out of a rock. You know, God used him to, to create that miracle. And many other miracles were done by Moses. Moses was a man who had the gift of miracles. Joshua was also a man. If you want to turn quickly to Joshua 10, chapter 13, you can follow along. Because Joshua was fighting and defeating the Amorites. But there wasn't enough time in the day to get the job done. And they didn't want these guys to slip out and escape under cover of night. And so what did Joshua do? He asked God to stop the sun and the moon in their paths so that he could have a day long enough to defeat the Amorites. And in Joshua 10:13, it says, So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. That's awesome. We call it the long day of Joshua. And, you know, we can sit here and say, well, that's impossible. How could that happen? Well, yeah, that's impossible for Joshua. But is that impossible for God? The man who creates a turbine engine, is he able to also get it going and stop it? Yeah, he is. So why isn't God able to start and stop the rotation of the planets? So we understand that the earth rotates around the sun and that the sun might not have actually stopped in, in space, but that maybe we turned on an axis a little bit different from what the earth was used to or whatever the case was. However God did it, he did it. It's also written in the book of Jasher. So if you can get your hands on that, you can read about it there as well. Elijah also had the gift of miracles. He brought down rain with prayer. He brought down fire upon uh, Ahaziah's army. Uh, consider Elisha. Uh, by the power of God, Elisha divided the Jordan. He, ra- he raised the, the Shunammite woman's, uh, woman's son. Uh, miracles were por- performed by Daniel and Jonah and King David and Samson. And many more. We find all kinds of miracles in the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? We find Jesus feeding thousands of people with little more than just a few fish and and loaves. Jesus turned water into wine. Paul cast a demon out of uh, the woman there in Thyatira. We'll, We'll study that here in a few weeks on Sunday morning. Several times in the book of Acts we hear the phrase, and many signs and wonders were done uh, by the apostles. So the New Testament was filled with miracles. We don't have details about what every single one of them were. Let it be known, though, that signs and wonders were done by the working of the apostles who had the gift of miracles. The greatest miracle in the New Testament, of course, is the fact that Jesus Christ physically rose from the dead. 
that by his power he brought himself up out of the grave after he was beaten almost to death, after he was crucified and his heart, you know, ruptured and he was stabbed and the water and the blood poured out proving that he was dead. He was dead, physically dead, no more breath. They laid him in a tomb and three days later he's walking around going, hey, here I am. That's, that's quite the miracle. That is quite the miracle. And he did that so that, number one, dying for our sins, he could set us free from the guilt of our sins. Number two, rising from the dead, showing us the, the evidence, the proof that death is not the end, but that he went to sit at the right hand of the Father, the throne of grace. And he's preparing a mansion for us there, waiting for us to come and be with him. So, that's a cool miracle, one that I'm sure hopefully everybody here is taking part in. But a simple working definition of the gift of miracle, here it is. The gift of miracles is the supernatural power which enables the believer to do things that seem contrary to the laws of nature. I'll give it to you again. The gift of miracles is the supernatural power which enables the believer to do things that seem contrary to the laws of nature. Of course, that power is coming from God. So let me ask you a few diagnostic questions. Do supernatural things happen when you pray? Do supernatural things happen when you pray? Have you ever prayed for rain and then it rained? Or have you ever prayed that it would stop raining and then it stopped raining? I'll tell you this right now. We were praying for rain because of the drought. We wanted to be able to start a fire at the last camp out. The men's camp out. We wanted to start a fire. We prayed for rain. And it rained and they lifted the burn ban. But it was raining so much that it, it was going to rain out the, the camp out. And we prayed for it to stop raining and that would clear up. And it did. Think that's crazy? Last night I came home and I didn't want to turn my sprinkler on because I don't want to pay the water bill. I said, God, just rain on my grass. You know? I woke up this morning and flipped on the news and the guy said, no more rain until maybe Monday. I walked outside to get in my truck. It was raining on my lawn this morning. So I think God's in the miracle business, you know. I had to turn on my windshield wipers leaving my driveway this morning. Have you ever prayed for God to reveal himself to a lost friend or family member only to find out that later he did? You were praying, God, just reveal yourself to this friend of mine or this family member. Reveal yourself in in just a way that cannot be denied. Maybe the next day they came to you going, you'll never believe what happened. And it only caused them to be a little more open to hearing about God from you. Has that ever happened to you? How about this? Have you ever asked God to provide you with a better job or a better home? A home that you might not be able to afford because you didn't have the better job and maybe you had another kid coming or you needed some extra space for your family to grow into and it just seemed impossible. All of a sudden, just through circumstances beyond your control, you were offered another job just out of the blue or somehow God just put you into a brand new home. Maybe you have the gift of miracles if if that's true of you. If you answered yes to these questions, then take out your handout and and circle a a 10 beside gift of miracles. If you said no to these questions, then circle the the 1. But maybe, maybe somewhere you're in between. 
we're going to talk about developing this gift at the same time we talk about developing the gift of healings because they're very similar in, in, in what they are. Because as we talk about the gift of healings now, the gift of healings is a type of miracle. Okay? It's just a specific type of miracle. Because I purposefully talked, when I talked about miracles, I purposely talked about miracles that were breaking natural laws. Okay? But now I want to pinpoint miracles that focus on the healing of the body. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the miracle of healing. We're talking about miracles that are focused on the health and the well-being of an individual. The word healing speaks of the means of healing, whether it's by a remedy, medicine, or supernaturally. If you would turn to uh, Luke 13. Because there are some times that God heals in a way that we would call supernatural. And in Luke 13, we see one of these instances. In Luke 13, verse 10, it begins, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, that being Jesus. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hand on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. For 18 years, this woman couldn't walk straight up. For 18 years, this woman probably prayed, God, heal me. I want to walk straight. Now, if you've suffered for a little bit of time, then you might understand what this woman's going through. For 18 years, she went through it. But 18 years, God came and touched her. Jesus laid hands on her, straightened her back, and healed her. That's awesome. If you would turn to John chapter 9. In Luke 13, we see supernatural healing. Jesus comes lays his hands on this woman and says, you're loosed from your infirmity. She stands straight up right then and there. But there's also times when God heals in ways that we might consider medicinal. And I think that John chapter 9 is a, is a pretty good way of looking at that. John 9, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So it's almost like Jesus created a salve to, to put on this person's eyes and then sent him to a certain pool to wash there. And there was this medicinal kind of aspect to what Jesus was doing. And so understand that though we would love for Jesus just to come into our lives when we have an infirmity and just say, you're healed, you're loosed, and it's done. That's the way we want it every time, isn't it? i got a headache, Lord. Just take it away. The Lord would say, go take some Advil. 
You know? So understand that there, there are the supernatural ways that God might heal, and there's the medicinal ways that God might heal. God has given us the brain to create medicines and surgical procedures that we ought to take advantage of. Thank God for the mind of man. That in of itself can be miraculous. But let me give you a simple working definition, which is just built a little bit off of the definition for miracle. The gift of healings is the supernatural power given by God, which enables the believer to bring physical healing to another, whether supernaturally or medically. So God might use us to perform healings, some supernatural. Other times God might use us to point people to proper medications or surgical procedures. We've got to take full advantage of all of that. But let's diagnose this. Let's ask some questions and determine whether we have this gift or not. Have you ever prayed for a sick person to be healed? And they were. Maybe you found out about somebody who was sick and you just laid hands on them. You felt moved to just pray for them. And maybe they had a headache and all of a sudden they just felt better. I remember a lady, uh, we were having our pastor uh, luncheon in Georgetown at the Calvary there. And there was four of us pastors there. And this woman came in. She was part of a woman's meeting that was happening out there. And she just said, you know what, I, I was diagnosed with cancer. And I was just wondering if you guys would pray for me. So the four of us laid hands on her and just prayed that the cancer would be just taken out of her. And got a report back that week that she had gone to the doctor and gotten checked out again. And all the cancer was gone. It's crazy, you know. It's crazy how God might do something supernatural like that. But have you ever prayed for a sick person and watched them get healed? Or, or another question is this. Have you ever heard of a medical procedure or, or, or a certain medicine? You heard it on the radio or you saw it on television. And later on that day, you met somebody with that issue. And you spoke to them and you said, you know what, I saw this thing on TV today or I heard this thing on the radio. I think you ought to check it out. I think it's right exactly what, what you might need. I would consider that a supernatural occurrence. God had you in the right place at the right time with the right program on to hear about this right medicine that all of a sudden applies to this person's life, that you just happened to meet that afternoon. I see the hand of God in things like that. Or, or, or maybe you just have a real heart to understand medicine and, and maybe you're a doctor or maybe you work in some sort of pharmaceutical industry, you know, or maybe you, you're, you know, you work in some, some form of job that, that you're concerned about people's health. You know, that's, that's a big issue for you. Chances are you have a heart to see people being healed like that. You might have the gift of healings. And so take out your Ignite inventory again and right there on, by the, the gift of healings, you said yes to all these questions, then circle a 10. You've said no to these questions, then circle a 1. But maybe you're somewhere in between. Circle what makes sense to you. As you're doing that, let's quickly talk about developing this gift. The first question we ask when we start talking about healings and miracles is what? Why don't we see more of this in the church today? Why don't we see more miracles in the church today? Why don't we see more gifts of healings exercised in the church today? And it's a good question. I have a few answers to that question, depending on who I'm talking to and, and what the context is. But let me suggest to you a reason why we might not see the supernatural kinds of things that we saw happening in the first century and even in the Old Testament times. If you would turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5 tells us a whole lot about why we don't see miracles and healings in the church today. 
And I know that this is going to be convicting to me, and I hope it's convicting to you. But I also pray that as we might feel convicted this evening, that we might leave here settled in our hearts to become the kind of Christians that God wants us to be. James 5.16 says this, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So James is saying, here is this man Elijah, and he had this gift of miracles that he prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. Not only did it not rain, but it didn't rain for three years and six months. But on the day he prayed for rain, it came down, and it poured. Now what's the deal with Elijah? Because James says in verse 17, he's a man with a nature like ours, a sinful nature. Right? So Elijah is not some, some you know, uh, holy person that's beyond our level of holiness. That He's some great person beyond what we could ever be. No. He was a man who confessed his sins. And he was a man who prayed fervently. He was a man who prayed effectively. He was a righteous man who lived obediently. If you want to develop your gift of miracles or gift of healings, James is saying this, confess your sins to one another. I chalk that up to a simple word, accountability. Finding someone else to be accountable to. Confessing your sins to each other. Praying for one another that you may be healed. So confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Pray effectively. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Pray fervently. Don't just sit down and pray once and hope it's done. You know, pray fervently. And then live righteously. Live obediently. Do what God's calling you to do. But if you want to pray effectively, Peter, if you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, we go on to understand why we don't see as many miracles today. So the first reason why I don't think we see many miracles today is because I don't think that we take accountability seriously, number one. I think we'd rather live in our secret sin than actually be accountable to one another and grow. So I don't think that you know we're taking accountability seriously. I don't think we're praying for one another. I think we're praying for ourselves. Oh, Lord, give me something. Heal me. You know, Watch my back. I need to get mine. We're not praying for one another. We're praying for ourselves. Therefore, we're not praying effectively or or fervently. We're, We're praying fervently for ourselves, but how fervently do you pray for other people? And then living righteously. Well, geez, that's that's a whole Bible study in and of itself. But that's what God's calling us to do. But if you want to pray effectively, first Peter three ten says this. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. 
Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who's God listening to? Well, Peter tells us. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. And I I realize that positionally we're righteous if we trust in Christ. Positionally we are righteous. But right before he says that, he says, if you want to see a good life and see good days, and he gives us this list of things to do and not do. So I don't think that necessarily Peter's talking about the positionally righteous people here that God's listening to. I think he's talking about those who are attempting to practically live out that righteousness. Because there is that positional righteousness that we all attain because of Christ, his righteousness. But God wants us to become practically righteous as well. And we can live practically righteous every day. We can live every day without sin. I guarantee you that. We could choose to live every day without sinning. If we choose to walk in the Spirit. And that's what God wants for us. And those of us who will choose to refrain his tongue from evil. What does that mean? It means you're not gossiping. It means you're not bagging on other people. It means you're not saying things that you ought not be saying. It says, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. It means you're not lying. Not only are you not lying, but you're speaking the truth. Let him turn away from evil. Well, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. But that's not enough. It says, let him turn from evil and do good. It's not enough to say, well, I don't do all the don'ts. But do you do all the do's? Let him seek peace and pursue it. How often are you seeking yours, getting yours, making sure that you get the promotion, making sure that you get the raise, making sure that you get the kudos and the pats on the back? And when all that doesn't happen, well, it's, it's a drama at work or at home. Or, that's not pursuing peace. That's pursuing personal gain. That's pursuing for you. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying pursue peace. Seek peace and pursue it. Therefore, could it be said that we don't see miracles today in the church because God's not listening to our prayers? Is that possible? Is it possible that God's not listening to our prayers because we don't refrain our tongues from evil? We don't refrain our lips from speaking deceit? We don't turn away from evil and do good? We don't seek peace and pursue it? Could it be safe to say that that's why we might not be seeing the miracles that they saw in the first century? It's possible. It's possible. If we were actually pursuing this kind of life, if we were actually taking accountability seriously, confessing our sins to one another, praying fervently for one another, refraining from speaking evil about others, turning away from evil, doing good, pursuing peace... 
You think that God would work miracles in a church that was doing that? I believe so. So as you deepen your walk with the Lord, as you take what I'm saying seriously, and I want to take this seriously as well, if God calls you to pray for someone's healing, then pray fervently. and Watch healings happen. If he calls you to cast out a demon, command the demon to be out. and Watch what happens. Whatever miracle he calls you to do, do it for his glory. You see, backing up, and, and if we point out the kind of Christian who isn't doing these things, the believer who isn't living the way that James and Peter is saying for us that we ought to live, Whose glory is that kind of Christian seeking? Their own. But the signifying gifts glorify God. So the Christian who's living for themselves, if they ever perform a miracle, who are they going to allow to receive the glory? Themselves. But the signifying gifts point glory to God. So why would God use a signifying gift to glorify himself if he only knows that the believer is going to take the glory for themselves. Doesn't that make sense? We need to become the kinds of Christians who are solely sold out for the glory of God so that any glory that starts coming our way, we instantly deflect it and allow the glory to go to God. And I believe that that kind of Christian will watch miracles happen in their lives all the time. Why? Because God's going to glorify himself. And he wants to use us to do it. And what better way to glorify himself than through the signifying gifts? So let's let glory go to God and watch and see what he does in our lives. Well, I want to finally end with pointing out the greatest healing and the greatest miracle ever. Past the crucifixion, past the resurrection, which we already pointed out was the greatest miracle the greatest miracle that can happen today, the greatest healing that can happen today is not physical. Because if you heal someone physically today, they're still going to die. Right? Death happens once for every person, at least once. So if you heal someone today for, from a disease, whether supernaturally or, or medicinally, they're still going to die. You've only just prolonged their death. So the greatest healing is not physical, it's spiritual. And that healing comes when someone repents and turns to Jesus Christ. The greatest miracle that could ever happen post-crucifixion and resurrection is when a lost person realizes that Jesus Christ is their Savior. You want to see great miracles happen? Lead your friends to the Lord. Set them free from physical Corruption, which results in eternal damnation at death by leading them to Jesus so that they can have eternal life. That's the greatest healing. That's the greatest miracle. So if you want to perform miracles, lead people to the Lord. That's the greatest miracle that you could perform. And you can do that by the power of God and by being a witness, first through your life, then through your words. Watch and see God act upon that obedience. And you'll see some great miracles performed. Let's pray. Lord, thanks so 